Hello and welcome to Beastly Theories. I'm your host, Andy McGrath. Today we've got a very special British guest, Mark Fennell. Uh, Mark is a, a British Bigfoot witness. He was in the uh, recent documentary Elusive by Christopher Turner. He's also a documentarian himself, and he's making a, doc a documentary about uh, British Bigfoot accounts and other things around the world, like lake monsters and cryptids and, and very uh, strange and unusual sightings. Uh, it should be called Shadows of Doubt, and it'll focus on worldwide activities from lake monsters, UFO encounters, paranormal, uh, paranormal cases, and werewolf uh, vampire Bigfoot accounts. So there's, uh, there's lots going on there. Mark, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Fantastic. Well, I just wanted to, to get started, really. Uh, a lot of people aren't aware of the British Bigfoot uh, or its presence in this country, or even the fact that there are, you know, living new sightings of this creature. A lot of people out there have seen it, uh, like yourself. I just wondered if we could just briefly go over your sighting, you know, what happened to you, um, yeah. how long ago it was, where it was, and, and how it affected you. Yeah, um, well, it happened probably in the summer of 19, 1996. I was only, I was probably about 13 or 14 then. Oh, yeah. Along that age bracket. Um, and I was just out with a friend of mine, and we were, um, we were building an assault course through our local woods, which is just a village wood, which we always played in when we were young and never thought anything out, out of the ordinary with it. But we made this assault course, and we tried it out, but as we reached the end of the assault course, we uh, we saw a well. We noticed a, a man walking his dog. Well, at least that's what I thought it was until it uh, came out of the thicket and in a little sort of small clearing. You could see it wasn't a person walking a dog at all. Um, it was within fifteen twenty foot away from me, so it's it was quite close. Um, and I, I, me and me and my friend, we were gobsmacked. We didn't know what to say or or anything we but we stood still and we stared at it and it stopped and it turned to look at us both in plain sight straight like like i'm looking at you now wow turned to, to look at us and just stared and it seemed for ages it, stared, it probably wouldn't have been but it seemed for a long time staring for a while and then it just let out this well the the noise it made the the grunting sound i thought oh you know being a kid as well uh -huh. I had fear of that, so I, uh, well, I liked it. I didn't care about my yeah. friends. <laughs> but we never, I remember though, we never actually, we never left the wood. We, we got to the uh, entrance part. Yeah. Uh, just collaborated thoughts, as you do, and um, he caught up with me eventually. Uh, <laughs> um, and we're saying, what, what? Obviously, it wasn't of anything of normality. So we, we thought, let's go on, you know, being kids and stupid. We got sticks and tried to walk because it was on the path. That's oh, why yeah. standing oh, wow. on the path. But we weren't. We were, you know, because we made an assault course. We're not interfering with people's public walk or whatever. So we, um, we walked the pathway around to where we saw it. Nowhere to be seen. We were looking up everything, and it was probably the slowest walk as well because we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we were walking around and um, looking up every tree behind every stump we found everything and then we got to the far end of the wood and it's not a big wood that's the thing it, it's not a big wood at all um, but we got to the far end of the wood and there's a cornfield and it, what I remember it, it was it wasn't there long probably a pre-laid one it wasn't there long so it wasn't high the corn 
probably about a meter high, but you could see a track that ran right across the cornfield of the wood at the far end. Wow. I'm thinking it wasn't in the wood when we went back looking for it, but then again, it could well have been because I was too scared to really properly look. (laughs) Yeah, sure. sure. Um, But it was straight, but the effect it had on me, uh, to be honest, I, I felt like I shouldn't have seen it, even though, you know, I was one of the fortunate fortunates to have seen it. Um, but when I was walking home, I, I didn't feel right walking back thinking it was going to, well, is it going to find me? Or <laughs> sure. No, <laughs> sure, definitely. Me, it was not a big village. It's only a small one. You're surrounded by fields and woods anyway. So you're walking thinking, oh, God, God. And then, then you're going through your mind thinking, oh, you could come climbing your wind and just like, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so would you I, say that uh, the what what is the name of the village where where you Tal- were living then? It was Talton, um, Talton Village in between Southport and Preston. Okay, so miles between each, but you're surrounded by farmlands, complete yeah. farmlands all the way around. So this, is, um, this is this mm-hmm. is just really a little outpost amid, amidst yeah. loads of uh, you know loads of uninhabited space, really. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's the thing. But I've talked to Deborah Haswell about it, and she said it makes perfect sense because the River Douglas, which joins onto the River Ribble, uh, the River Ribble further down. Oh, yeah. Um, it goes. So maybe they're using. Oh, it's just a, a blind sight of it. Maybe they're using it as roadways or something. You know, the edges of embankments of rivers or canals or. Sure. Sure. You know, I just don't know really. Um, yeah. To Deborah, I said I can't. I can't answer what I saw, but I know what I saw wasn't right. But yeah, you know, this day. What, what would you say about size and appearance, uh, Mark? The, How would you describe its size and appearance? How did it look? You know, yeah, it wasn't very tall. It wasn't very tall. I mean, we were I said we were kids then, so we were only probably five foot then in height, and it wasn't much taller. It wasn't much taller. It was big. It was muscular. You could see the. Uh-huh. The um the you know the shoulders and you know you know the biceps and everything like I mean it was enormous but in in height and structure it wasn't yeah. very tall at all so I'm thinking oh, very stumpy legs it had I remember seeing uh-huh. stumpy legs um had a, almost like hump back it had like a hump back it had no neck uh-huh. at all I having no neck but it it was like the shoulders this hump on its back sort of thing. And, and long matted, the colour of the hair would probably be a mixture of dark grey and brown. Uh-huh. A dark, uh-huh. a mixture of dark grey and brown. And oh, the, the, the sound, I'll never forget the yeah. sound. The sound, because I said to Chris and he said, you know, it actually in a way communicated with us. Of, uh-huh. I'm coming through, get out of my way because I'm not. Yes. You know, <laughs> and was um, it was it heading down the path towards you, or did it step out into the path and sort of see you both there, and it, I guess give you a warning to move away? I think more on that line, yeah. yeah. Cause it wasn't actually walking direct towards; it was like passing us, but it kind of like walking towards you, but in yeah. a sort of roundabout fashion. If you get me, uh-huh. like uh-huh. I'm thinking, oh, oh, and then when it's st- the thing when it stopped and and just stared at us, that that was what. Cringed me more. That frightened me. That because it just. Do you remember the eyes at all? I didn't see its face at all. It was it was just dark, and it didn't look yes. a big face, like a black face, more so than. Uh-huh. Um, you know, small but wide, 
um, but it was covered in shadow and it was a bright day so I don't know it, but you couldn't see anything you just see the hair and the body, everything mm. but it's just the sound it made I thought I'm not um, I don't really want to go and ask its name you know what I mean yeah <laughs> a lot of people say well, when they have these sightings and the, um, they have this warning call given to them that it kind of hits them in the chest yeah did you get that kind of feeling yeah exactly that's, that's yeah um because when it made the sound i've said this to i've said this to numerous people i went made the sound you felt it go right through you yeah yeah like, like you had like you need to clear your chest after it you know uh-huh. just feel it in your chest I, I, I thought oh and it frightens you knowing that it was directed straight at you as yeah, well course, oh, yeah. there's no one else behind me i'm, I'm <laughs> but when and, i said this to chris because it was small, it wasn't tall or anything. Uh-huh. Maybe, you know, it could have been a, it could have been young. It could have been a young one. And I'm yeah. thinking where its parents are or whichever. And then that's what frightened me even more. Okay. <laughs> and you thought about that then at the time that perhaps it was you identified that it could have been young itself, and you thought there may have been adults around at that yeah. time when you were 13. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's- see. But what I said to Chris, that the, the problem is that, I, well, not a problem, but, you know, one of the issues was, um, you know, it knows I've seen it, uh, you know, and it doesn't want to be found. It doesn't want to be seen. Um, yeah. You know, have I dishonoured its sort of code or in any way? You know, it's not going to want to go to its kind and say, oh, I've been seen or, check, you know, uh-huh. their, their utmost is to hide from us, not, not be witnessed by uh, two loudmouth kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, I was talking to somebody the other day about Bigfoot sightings and assessing sightings all over the world, whether it's the Yowie or the Sasquatch or the, the Woodwows here. Generally, ninety nine point nine percent, you know, made up figure of all the uh, witnesses seem to be accidental witnesses, not people like me and you now going out looking for it. Uh, people passing in the car, walking the dog, or kids, kids and women a lot, you know. Uh, in countryside settings or on the edge of villages i wonder when it's kids if they feel a bit less intimidated um so you know it's shown itself to you or it's it's seen you there and it's been a little more blasé about being you know being found but from what you described it definitely seemed to be very unhappy with your presence there and uh you know you took that feeling back with you as well i did i did i've never run as fast I, <laughs> I didn't I see it was kind of like I kind of focused where I was thinking right I'm looking at it it's looking at me uh I didn't care about my friend it was one I didn't care were there whatever I thought right is it going to catch him first or is it going to catch me <laughs> <laughs> and things it didn't look like it was going to run it that that's the thing what how it how it was stored it, its posture wasn't I'm going to come after you it was more, you know, move out of my way. I'm coming for yeah. yeah. I don't want you there. You shouldn't have seen me. Back off. And so was we, it more we, of a grunt or a, a growl? Like a big yell of some kind, like, like a deep yell? Like, like, like almost like when you clear your throat type of thing, but, but oh, okay. it, it mixed you with, um, I don't know. It's a, tr- it's a tricky one. I know I couldn't do the sound, but it, yeah. it was said so that's, that's probably because it went right through me. The curdling, the curdlingness of it—you could hear it all in the throat. Yeah. And, oh, 
what like a gorilla type roar or like a lion in that that depth and that curdled sound yeah. or a bit more human like they probably more meaningful than that more oh. uh d- deeper than that it was it, that's what i'm thinking because i've said to debrian because of its size it wasn't big it wasn't tall so it's made a sound that aggressive <sighs> you know um what the big one be like oh i know uh <laughs> Well, how about width? Would you say what about uh, a lot of people say when they're very wide, two, three, four feet across the shoulder? If this thing is about five feet tall-ish, more mm. or less, how far across the shoulders do you think it might have been uh, approximately? Uh, probably a, a cupboard, as wide as a cupboard. Oh wow! Um, like a little bodybuilder almost. Yeah, yeah, but more more square in structure. If you get That's me in, in the shoulders. Yeah. Big, broad shoulders, but you could see how it was going up to its head, like the shoulder sort, the, the muscle around its head. Oh, okay. Like those bodybuilders when you see the no neck. But you could see, you could see the uh, the physique underneath its hair. You know, it was hairy. Obviously, it was hairy. Was it but thick? Was it thick the hair, or could you see patches? It was. It was more in patches, thick. Um, more like it, hair than fur. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but its colouring was very, uh, like I said, because it was the, the colour of the fur, the, the hair or whichever, it was like a grey-brown colour. Oh. But the skin of it was dark. It was like a dark-coloured skin. Um, or like a metal grey or... Um... Say, probably like a, a light brown, maybe. Okay. Maybe a light brown, not too light, just like a, a, like a brown in shadow type color okay like skin. a tanned leather type of yeah look, yeah 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 more like yeah, dark tan if it okay. was yeah. ah. but you could see but you know that the mutt that i can i can still see it even though as a kid then i can you know i can picture it i could i mean i could probably draw it because what i did when i was a kid i drew it and my friend drew it and it was pretty much ident- identical drawings that we have <laughs> that would be amazing i think that would be amazing thing, you know i wish i it now um but Maybe told a it. documentary, you know. Um, uh, being a witness, I think, and being a documentarian or uh, an investigator is a very uh, privileged, I'd say, position. Because uh, if you're like me, you've never seen anything, but you're fascinated by the uh, yeah. the genre. Then you know there's a lot of plausibility in it. But when you've seen something, you already know there are things that there that people uh-huh. don't know about. Exactly. So your mind's already flipped open, isn't it? You know what else? could there be in, yeah. in this whole world if you can see uh, five foot tall bigfoot juvenile or whatever it, it was at a time yeah. on the the grounds of a small village wood you know in the 90s then what else could be out there and i think that's um you know at least when i wrote this book the beast of britain book that was what was on my mind yeah uh, there seems to be all these stories from very credible matter of fact people like yourself not looking for any attention not looking to promote themselves in any way and people like Deborah too another witness and yet they can't unsee what they oh. saw um, do you find there's details about that day details about the surrounding environment that aren't really necessary to the story but you can never forget in the retelling of it a lot of the witnesses I speak to they'll say something like you know I noticed that that street light was out it wasn't usually like that now I always notice that's not important to the story but because they've had a trauma-like experience, they can't forget that detail. Do you find you've got details like that, that in your story that, that aren't really important to the story, but you can never forget that picture, that, that scene that day? 
Oh, the only thing I don't I don't get that day because I'm I'm probably the biggest skeptic going if <laughs> if I can prove it not being what it is I'd, I'd love it not to be what it was, uh, but I can't I can't prove that I'm I'm gobsmacked with that one. But um, no, the only thing that I I'm puzzled with is why was it there huh. and how could it have got where it was without being seen by anybody else or. They may well have someone. Someone else may well have seen it, but been like me and to you know kept away, not wanting to say anything. I don't. Yeah. And then I've come to then. There's the other part of it. You know, um, is it a flesh and blood? Like what Chris has said, is it flesh and blood, or is it paranormal? Does it fade in and out of of, of, you know of our consciousness or something? I don't know, but. You know, because how they can they steer the scene and then all of a sudden they're gone. They can't be found anywhere. Um, do you think that grey and brown sort of mixed fur colour has anything to do with that? That that description of that fur seems like a very good camouflage in the forest. The colours are broken up, might break up the line of the creature yeah, who went true. back in looking for it. But actually, if it was well camouflaged with that colour fur, I was think well perhaps it was just still somewhere. If you know the forest, like your backyard, I would think, well, that's its home. You know, it knows where to stand. It knows where to be to avoid detection. Yeah. Um, and I wonder sometimes when I've been out in the forest and seen a normal animal, like a deer suddenly appear or um, you know, a fox or a rabbit, whatever. How come I didn't see that a second ago? Yeah. And there it is suddenly right in front of me. Um, yeah. No, I see. It. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, it is. It's... Um, it, <sighs> It's, I mean, granted, probably every time we go into the woods, we're not looking for these things. You know, they could be right, they could be right there. Um, you know, you look at a wood, you walk along the path. You know, it's it's lovely, it's pretty. Uh, but I don't know if you if you to like deviate off that path, maybe go up the side of a mountain or whichever. It's yeah. a whole different viewpoint, really, of everything else. You know. I suppose you've got to act a different way when you're in the woods, haven't you? In the wild, you can't. Yeah. You know, the, the hunters, aren't they? If they are around, well, you know, they are around, but um, they've got to be able to survive and eat or eat livestock, yeah. whichever. And, and then it comes to what you were saying earlier about, about children. You know, there are reports of children being kidnapped. Mm. I think, maybe, maybe. Um, it's. Maybe hey, it's possible. I mean, I know that David Paulides with that 411, I think 411, he seems to propose that possibility in some of the um, people going missing in the national parks, at least it's alluded to. Yeah. Here, I don't know so much. Um, my th- theory, if there, you know, I do believe that there are creatures like you've seen in this country, spoken to too many different unconnected people with no yeah. interest in the subject to believe that they're not seeing something. But we've also got these big cats, and they're not attacking people. Hundreds of people, thousands have seen them. And I think we've got such uh, an abounding amount of food resources in the countryside in this country that yeah. that wouldn't be necessary to prey upon a human. I was um, making a point to somebody the other day that there's 33.5 million rabbits estimated in this country. You know, Even the most injured and old leopard could pick up a rabbit. Oh, and yeah. they've, been, they've been spotted hunting for rabbits in Warrens. I had a, a sighting given directly to me from East Yorkshire. Uh, a farmer, one went straight past his, uh, his tractors. He was baling hay wow. in one of his fields, and it walked straight past him. He said it was only about 
three, four foot long, and it was about two foot high, sling straight past him. We could have reached out and touched it. It was off to the rabbits and the warrens. Wow. And I think they're seen all over the place. And they're very few. I know there was that alleged big cat attack in Cornwall recently. It was trying to get in the window. But that sounds more like curiosity to me, you know, when it bats the boyfriend's hand away and he's got good skin so it doesn't get broken <laughs> you know obviously this cat is curious and it's um it's warning him but um they don't generally tend to go for people i think it's to do with the, yeah. we're not a great food source and yeah. when there's so much of the food around and the deer and the boar and the, the sheep running free everywhere you know sixteen thousand sheep die every year with dog kills they say it could be other things killing them yeah as well so i mean that's that's not proof of anything i realize that but no i think it, it's a good reason it, for them not to go after people yeah yeah no it's, it's it is it's that, it's that good theory of it isn't it because they're there they're about they'd find some other way i mean it's an easier source getting rabbits than going for humans anyway because you know there's probably more of us on this island than there is them so they're, okay. they're not gonna you know they probably they're probably just intelligent to know, right, we'll not harm them because, <laughs> I mean, so there has, there has, been, trouble. <laughs> there, there has, there has been cases where, you know, there's been big cat sight, well, a big cat watching uh, children playing in a, a school ground, school playground. I've heard of that one. Um, you know, nothing happened, man, but it was just watching them. You know I mean? Yeah, because, you know, when they brought in that uh, that legal license that you needed to have to own a cat, you know, you know, people panicked. People panicked and released all the wild animals behind in the moors or wherever it was. And we've not found a single one that's passed on, so they've, they've survived no. in some way or other. That's right, that's right. And also, I've spoken to people now that know people that have released them. Yeah. It's a third hand, they won't reveal who they are, but they know people who release them. They know people that used to have them as pets in the 70s. Mm. and uh, pumas and uh, leopards, melanistic leopards were very popular, like panthers, as we call them. I don't think there'd be many jaguars about There are a few other types of cats yeah. you know, kicking about the place. Mm. But they're all over. The, the, my study so far says they're nationwide from top to bottom. And um, that would make sense because if a breeding pair, you know, they need a wide territory, get together, they have some cubs and they move out a bit further and they move out a bit further and so on and so forth. Um, it would also explain some of the odd-looking big cats people see from time to time. They think are yeah. hybrids Hybrid because yeah. they might have these lack of breeding partners. You know, maybe a puma and a leopard get together, or a lynx yeah. and something else. I, I don't know that you know the biological yeah. mechanics of it, but it just seems like that's the one thing that worries me when I'm out in the woods. So I was in Scotland recently at Loch Ness. You might have seen. Oh, yeah. I walked up the Old Macreesh path into the Great Glen Highway. Huge pine forest big steep elevation nobody around tourists walking by there were two big trees pushed across the path along the way could have been windfall to be honest with you and i didn't hear a single sound i didn't hear a, um, a bird or a deer or anything i saw plenty of scat i got right to the top to the loch and looked over and came back down and then on the way back down you know suddenly and all the time i'm thinking beware of big cats you know keep your eye out for big cats you're all by yourself up there four hours on the way back down, I get about 100 foot elevation down. I'm looking at this mossy waterfall part. It's beautiful. I'm photographing it. And I think, what was that? I just saw a figure go behind a tree. Like, it was a millisecond in the corner yeah. of my eye. And then I started telling myself, come on, Andy. You're up here looking for monsters. And suddenly <laughs> you think you've seen something. And then I began wondering, oh, how many people 
think they've seen something like that and turned that into an experience because it's easy to freak yourself out all alone in the woods. I start coming down and then I start hearing the twigs snapping and the branches moving in the deepest, really dark part of the forest. I think, well, there's animals here. Now you're hyper aware of it. Yeah. If there was ever anything there, I was none the wiser other than I knew an animal was in the adjacent forest after I freaked myself out. <laughs> and, um, and then I started considering that thing that you obviously had to face that day. You know, if you really bumped into one of these things, would you want to be there? And I think personally for me, the answer is no. Yeah. Everybody who sees it says, I wish I didn't see it. Yeah. Not like, I would love to see one again. I, I, I just want to know what it was I saw. That's my only, in a way I do, but in a way I'm, I'm like, mm, yeah, uh, but I just don't, I want to know why I saw it and it wasn't nobody else. You know, it had to be me. It had to be me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, anyway, but you know, I'm thinking, uh, you know, you get all these sightings around the world of, yeah. of these cryptids or something. So you get they get ones where there's, you know, allegedly there's one looking in the window of a kitchen, you know, kitchen window, and you know, it's terrifying. That's ter- I mean, that make you want to yes. move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, not really. <laughs> And you, obviously, you don't live near this same village anymore. This is probably well, where you grew up, is that right? I don't, live, I don't live far away from it. I mean, my, my parents still live there. Okay. So I see, I see them every now and again. I don't see them that much. But, you know, I, I go there every now and again, but I don't really go that part of it where the wood is because it's, you know... Is that intentional? Do you avoid it on... you I, purposely I, I, avoid it? I, well, I took my wife there... Um, uh, few years back probably about three years four years ago and uh when i took her there i, I just i wanted to get out as soon as i went in uh-huh. it was like it was like pressure on my shoulders as soon as i went in i'm thinking yeah I, and i felt like it was there watching me as soon as i went uh-huh. in it, and i said to deborah when it's it, it's a frightening ordeal when you're thinking it's behind it's behind every tree or is it you know i mean yeah not gonna be but you know your mind starts playing tricks on you, thinking, is sure. it? Absolutely. I remember Deborah's video of her um, revisit to Wheel Hill Park with Rob Lee. Yeah. And uh, she, obviously, she broke down. You know, she relived the experience. The first time she'd been back there since, in four decades, since her sighting. And this is a woman who's dedicated her life since to counselling other people who've had sightings and, and finding out more about it. And still, it affected her. Um, I was in a local forest here um, with uh, John Spence, actually, at the end of 2017, and we were looking uh, in a little place called Littleworth Common in Asia. And, you know, we found the usual stuff. We found trees in big X formations and um, log, big log jumbles and even a tiny pinned arch that was pinned down with a log that had obviously been there so long it had grown flat. Oh. Um, but it was also really good bushcrafting in the forest, yeah. You know, and I just thought well, there's a lot of green space here, but I also know there's a big gypsy community that frequents different parts of Surrey at points, yeah. and you know they often use different stick signs that tell each other what's going on. Uh, at least that's the way I I hear it. I, I don't know if that's a, I don't know that from them, but other people have told me that. Um, and it just made me think, you know, with the sticks and stones kind of uh, rock piles and sticks, I don't really know if that's an indicator of anything not that it's not but i think you know where there is human habitation 
you can't really count that kind of thing as, as evidence. And I wonder what your take was on that. Yeah, uh, I think it's the same, to be honest, because you're getting these, like, you know, you know these these arches or or you've got, um, like I so said, these rock formations or, or, you know, maybe twigs in a certain pattern on the floor. Or, I mean, you know, weird things happen, but... Why? Why? Why would I, that's my my thought? I mean, I've not said it to Deborah or anything, but why would they want to do that and show the fact that either yeah. it is they're not going to want people to know? Oh, there is something in that wood. We'll go and look. Yeah. You, you, you know, if they've got sense, which I believe they have, they're going to keep you know a low profile at all times. Travel at night. Yeah. If, if you're going to go anywhere, travel at night. Of course. You know, don't be seen because you know they know how harsh you know human activity is you know that you know we destroy what we don't understand but, you know it's yeah yeah definitely but well, if we they've always been here with us I, they would be adapted to the way we live for sure yeah yeah and they've, they've yeah. seen the fact that we bring you know we've had two world wars you know it's they're not going to want to know us to be honest we're probably the last thing they want to see you know it's oh, as a human being oh god Get out of the way because it'll probably blow me up or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, do you know what? I lived, as you probably know, I just live on the outskirts of London. I've been working in central London for um, eight years, nine years. I think it's 10 years, this year, 10 years this July I've been here. And yeah, I don't want to see anybody else either. <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah. And the humans, you know, that's, we, we, not even we like each other, you know, we have to exactly. take it from their perspective. I just think, if they are there and they are real, you know, from my perspective, from not having having ever seen one, then yeah, if they've survived this long without detection, it would have to be because at all costs they avoid human contact. Um, and I don't doubt that there are occasionally some boisterous types of uh, individuals that show themselves to people, but that always seems to be to one individual. It's a it's a lady. Or it's um, some some guy out in the woods all by himself, you know, or a bunch of children. That kind of thing. And even then, there, there never seems to be any harm done. Even when there's an aggressive encounter, like an intimidation or a bluff charge, seems to break off in that ape-like fashion Yeah. before it happens. I tell you what, talking about the um, the feeling that you had from this thing, it was very interesting the same way uh, when I read Hal Smith's encounter. Now, he's the primary keeper who had an encounter in Strass Bay Forest yeah. in Scotland. 37 years working with uh, gorillas and chimps and orangutans even almost beaten to death by a chimp once apparently in his workplace. And so he's had some close encounters, some close experience with strong animals. And when he saw uh, that all black, as he described, was about seven feet tall in Strasbourg Bay Forest with his brother, he was terrified. And that interested me to, to know a person of his experience and interest felt terror and not intrigue. So it must be something about the animal itself that creates that, you know, that experience, is that, do you think, just a physical manifestation of its power that you can see with your eyes or something else that it gives to you or, or does to you? I, I see that, yeah. I mean, there's that much going on, you know, government-wise. I mean, I know I know the government know of them. They know of them. Um, you know, you've got, like, areas where the government don't want you to go. Maybe that's, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, are they, you know, are these creatures, they could even be, not of this earth they could be you know extraterrestrials for all we know um you know that's hence why they just disappear you know 
Uh-huh. On, on, you know, they, they could be going for either portals or, I mean, there's, there's tons of, of ways. I mean, I know, um, you know, there's, there's so many, there's thousands and thousands of miles of disused mine shafts. Yeah, yeah, railway tunnels too. Yeah, and uh, cave systems that haven't been explored. And, you know, I mean, especially at Bempton, where uh, Paul Sinclair is, you know, there's, there's oh, that piece yeah. where um, there was Paul and uh, I think a friend of his that was sat on the cliff front and he heard this scurrier, this, this sort of sound coming up the cliff, like it was climbing up the cliff. They never saw what it was, but it jumped over, whichever it was, and ran into, they could hear it run off into the field. Uh. And so, they saw the silhouette of the thing jumping over, didn't they, actually? They saw, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some eye shine, some big eye shine of some kind. Yeah. I remember that much. I mean, that whole investigation up there and, and the film he did with Christopher, I think is uh, really phenomenal. And um, I've, his Truth Proof book is actually on my list. He's on my list of people to interview, too. He's a great guy to listen to. Yeah. Uh, got that voice that draws you in. So I really like listening to him. and. And, and uh, watching his uh, videos too, but the, the book that's next on my list. How about your documentary? You're yeah. putting something together yourself. Tell us all about that. Well, that's the thing. I'm uh, I'm starting. It started off as as just something that I, I was interested in, but it was more bigfoot orientated. But I thought that's um, that's Chris's line. I don't want to be stepping on his shoes, so I left it be. And then I had a, a like an epiphany or an idea of some sort. I thought I'd rather make it worldwide so it covers more of an area, you know, because I'm I'm interested in lake monsters, um, you know, uh, not just Bigfoot, you know, you've got the, the dogman or werewolf or whichever you want you wish to call it, uh, paranormal like ghost attacks or or ghost encounters or which, whichever, but everything from, you know, A to Z if I could. Uh-huh. Um, so there's UFOs as well because there's, there's a lot of stuff going on, especially Randlesham Forest. I'd like to. I'd like to get down there and have a look at that. But um, just, just to, just to know that all these. Are, I was talking to uh, Steve Mara today at uh, at work. At um, oh, okay. Because uh, I'm doing that editing thing with Chris. Oh, uh, fantastic! Yeah, it's it's good. It's it's going well. I'm I'm learning every day. Shall I say? Yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> uh, great. He's a good teacher. Yeah, he's great. Uh, yeah. But he was talking to me. He was saying, you know. He, he believes that these, um, you know, people who have been abducted, they've got like an iron deficiency. There's no iron in their system, you know. That they've, oh, they've, really? And I'm thinking maybe that's what's drawing them. You know, there's all this, but then he's like showing me this. He's got this map on his computer screen. He went, look at this. And it was, um, it was in America somewhere. I think it was Yosemite uh-huh. uh, uh, National Park or wherever. And he was saying there's been a lady found with... Four, I think it was four broken ribs, and she was found at the top of a tree. Okay, a tree with four broken ribs. I'm thinking, oh my god, <laughs> that's some pretty serious big cat at that park. Yeah, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, you know, uh, maybe, maybe a bear has attacked her, and they've she's got quiet. bears. They've got big cats. Everything in Yosemite Park, yeah. I mean, I said to uh, Crystal, and the thing is with a bear, if you climb up a tree, that bear's coming after you. That's yeah. a a black bear can scale a 30, 40 foot tree. Oh. I mean, easily. Um, yeah. But a, a big cat, I mean, would generally, if it's uh, killed you to eat your ladle, stash you up there yeah. you know, at the top of the tree. Um, 
We've got some pretty serious cats. I know a lot of people have been killed in Yosemite National Park by the, the wildlife. You know, it's yeah. a, a serious yeah. place. I was in the U.S. recently, and I, you always, you know, uh, I landed in Florida first, actually. And you always forget, because we're in Britain, and we don't really have any big predators, right, yeah. that we know of, anyway, that we know of for sure. And um, landed in Florida, by, there was a storm, my plane got brought down. And uh, they put me in this hotel, and there was a big, there was a swimming pool at the back. There was a big pond. They called it a pond. It was like a lake, basically, right, <laughs> at the back. And there was little deck chairs down by the end of the lake. And all these no-swimming alligator signs everywhere and hammocks right next to it. Don't, don't go in the water, there's alligators. But you're right on the edge, you know, on this little um, <laughs> hammock or uh, deck chair. So I said to the owners, so um, there could be alligators in there. She said, listen, any body of water in Florida could be occupied by an alligator at some point. So we put the signs up. I said, what do I do if I see one? She said, run. Um, I said, run where? She said, well, up a tree if you can. So I said, oh, my goodness, you know, this is um, <laughs> this is just this is just a, a natural part of life. And I said, what about a fence? She said, no, they, they wouldn't invest in a fence. You know, you can't keep them out. So I just thought, this is a natural part of life. And then pythons and alligators and you know poisonous snakes because they don't even bother to keep out it's 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 a buyer beware situation and the same in yosemite national park you've got wolves and bears and cougars yeah and yeah you know but yeah yeah we don't we don't have to think about those things ourselves normally and studying this big cat thing here now when i'm out in the forest i'm thinking Okay, keep your eyes open. Keep looking up to the trees as well, yes. making sure you know what's above you because they haven't attacked anybody yet. But who knows? You could be looking particularly tasty today. Yeah, there's nothing else because the weather's crap. So we'll have yeah, yeah. rubbish. Yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of sightings this summer, apparently, because of the drought. So they yeah. were being brought out into the open. So there was a, an increase in big cat sightings this summer. And it, people assumed that it was because of this drought that they were. Seeking animals further afield. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, what will you do when you finish the documentary? What, what's the time scale? What different areas are you going to include in it? And, and when do you want to, to get it done and, and, well, um, and release? I'd like, I'd like it to be done by summer, preferably, but uh. I've started this job with, with Chris, the editing, in, in that, and I've been, I'm, putting, I'm putting two and two together here. So, it's probably not going to get released probably until autumn, winter time, probably because I've got that much left to do. It's because uh, it's covering such a massive variety of, of huh. everything. I've got to find the uh, the people to interview. I've got to find. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, I know there's some getting people, witnesses like yourself who are willing to be interviewed is is a very tall challenge you know yeah. a challenge and uh i yourself and maybe three or four other people in the bigfoot camp yeah. have been the only people willing to speak to me big cat people they're very happy to tell you because they don't have to appear to be crazy to tell you this or a big cat just that it was in the wrong place yeah. you know but could there be a you know five to eight foot tall bipedal hairy man living in the british Isles forever we never knew about it well, you must be a nutbag, clearly. You know? <laughs> and if you tell everybody you've seen one, I mean, yeah. can you tell us what, what happened? Did you tell many other people what, what has happened in your life? What have been the negative effects 
of sharing this with people? What do they well, say normally when you tell them? I'm very um, reluctant to tell them, really, because me and my friend have the same idea for it's a small village. And it won't take long for the whole yeah. village to know. If I just told one person, uh-huh. by, by the end of the by the end of the evening, the whole village would have known. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it. And then what fears you is ridicule. You don't want to be ridiculed, or yeah. you know. And at that age, you know, you think oh, ridiculed, bullied, or you know, you think oh, yeah. I just keep I just keep a low brow on it. But um, over time, I thought you know, there's some, and I still talk to him every now and again. He won't. He won't talk about it at all. Oh, sure. I think what we saw, he went, oh, yeah. yeah, and they'll change the subject. They'll go on to something else. He, he, he won't. He won't talk about it at all. Like, like, what we saw, we're like, oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, anyhow, yeah, I'm, I'm going uh, skiing next week. And it, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's right, okay, you know, or anything like that. Yeah. Like, Moving I, on. Yeah. Moving it, on. It's um. What. It, you know, it probably it may have even affected me more than him, really, because yeah. I, I don't know. I thought I saw it and it growled, and I'm thinking in my mind it growled at me personally. It oh, wouldn't okay. have growled at us both, but yeah. in my mind, just just to get you know the speed I ran, it said it growled at me. <laughs> he might not have forgiven you for leaving him behind. Well, <laughs> it's right because it, uh, it's. I'm thinking, because like I said to Chris, when I was talking to Chris Turner, and he was saying, um, you know, all this, you know, the, the ins and outs of where it would have gone. I said, I don't know where it would have gone. I'm glad it didn't end up in my house. That's where I'm going. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Living out there on the edge in the countryside as well, you, you suddenly realise how exposed you are to the, yeah. to the elements, you know, to what could be out there. So if there's yeah. a big cat, people, and I feel for them in these countryside settings, they've seen something prowling, they've got kids course they're going to be thinking you know what's the issue here are we safe is the thing going to be stalking the house and the same with a creature like that you must have been thinking for years afterwards the human nature part you think safety it's gonna if you don't again if we we destroy what we don't understand it we think oh the worst before you know we'll shoot before we think and then oh we've we've killed it now right oh the men in black have arrived um (laughs) <laughs> and then it goes in even further then, but you're thinking, right, if they're, if they're about, I mean, they've got to be about. I mean, what I saw, and I keep thinking, I keep like skepticizing myself, thinking it, it can't have been, but I know yeah. what it was, I can't explain. But then, I, then I've got people saying, oh, yeah, but people would have sent, people would have found them by. I'm thinking, yeah, but you, you don't see baby pigeons. You don't see. Yeah. Um, you don't, you know, there's many of animals you don't see. When was the last badger you ever saw? I've, you know, I've never ever seen a badger, and I've been walking in all these woods down here in Surrey for the last ten years. I've seen mink. I've seen a mink. Yeah. I've seen foxes. Yeah. I've seen stoats. All kinds of animals. Those green parrots that we have here. I've even seen a catfish. I think in the Thames, like a Wells type catfish, breach yeah. in the surface. And at that point, I had my camera on video mode because I was videoing ducks. And it was there for five seconds, and I failed to get a clip of it with my camera on at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it shows you how quick things happen sometimes, yeah. you know. I had it on, I had it pointed in the general area, and this big sort of round head came out of the water, but like this, I guess, like that. Yeah. Like a black head came up like that, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, what's that? Oh, I think that's a catfish. And then as yeah. I turned, the camera was gone. 
Oh. Um, and I just thought, because they're not supposed to be here, not in the Thames. There was oh. a little tale, yeah. I think, down in the Olympic Village in the river there, that part of the Thames, of something sucking ducks into the water, you know, a couple of years back, uh, which could be a pike, actually. I don't think I saw a pike because it was too round. Yeah. And it didn't come up quick. It came up slow, like it was taking a gulp of air, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it just goes to show sometimes you don't see these things. Um, I'm walking in Richmond Park, Bushy Park all the time. You do see the deer when they come up to the fence, but when I'm out in the forest part, I don't see them. No. The no. tiny park. So animals, I, a lot of people, I think, don't realize that wild animals don't want to be around us. Exactly. The same reason. Looking for interaction with us. They're thinking, right? They 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 cut our trees down. Yeah. Um, you know, this bigfoot could have lost his whole family. Well, family's home because yeah. we've decided to build on it. Maybe. <laughs> where, where it was, you know. I mean, that's that's all we do. We we pillage everything we find. We knock down every yeah. tree, and then we think, oh, we'll replant it, but not realizing it'll take about 40, 50 years for a tree yes. to grow out of that that seed. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're losing cover every single week, you know, of, of what's being done. But there was this, there was something that I saw on uh, Facebook a few months back, which interests me. I think it was Facebook or YouTube. Uh, and it was footage of uh, the 10 different species. No, not 10. Uh, the eight different types of Bigfoot. 10. That's, uh, that's Matt Squatch. Yeah. Oh, we've just talked, I've talked with him recently, actually. He's a great guy, but yeah. a very, very interesting, very informative uh, video, actually. Yeah, I thought I enjoyed that. I, I, it was yeah. cool because it was through the, the ones that you don't mess with. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then it's the big one. Apparently the big ones are the softest ones. They're, they're yeah. not the ones that have any harm or anything. Yeah. Um, there's, there's one that, that actually are in, they travel in packs, apparently, or there's a group okay. groups of I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I want one of them besieging your house at night. Well, there would be one, there'd be yeah. a pack of them. <laughs> he asked me, actually, he asked me about different types over here. And I said, in general, it's hard to determine types because yeah. people here don't have Bigfoot on the brain. So they describe them as like uh, a large upright chimpanzee or a big orangutan with a flat face or a bonobo yeah. ape on two legs that was very large. So people are really using something from their mental library to describe it and not saying, well, that one was like an ape type, that was like a man type. But people are supposedly, the British Bigfoot Old Wars are supposed to be more like the Russian Almas. I'm not mm -hmm. sure about that because some people have described this very sort of um, hairless face. But most people say it's, the face is in shadow, like you said, yeah. from the surrounding hair. You just can't seem to see the face very clearly when you see it. Um, whether that's because of hair or you know the deep uh, set eyes or, or whatnot, I don't know. Down to its posture, even just how it stood. Mm. Um, did it seem to be stooped over your one, or did it seem to be upright? Like, like if, if you if you imagine you stood up, but you're like you're leaning on something. Yeah, like yeah. That sort of, in that sort of way, I mean, it wasn't leaning on anything at all, but it was it was there, and you could see it breathing, and its shoulders going up and down as it was breathing, which I thought was. Frightening as well because it's like you know it's it's taking deep breaths to run at me. That's it seemed agitated. <laughs> Did it seem agitated before the growl and with this breathing with this heavy shoulder it, movement? It, it, well, it, it turned to seals. It turned like it turned its head to seals. Uh -huh. It Then it turned back facing where it was going, and then it got into a little bit of a clearing, and then it turned its whole body towards. Wow. You could see it breathing, like 
I thought, oh, and then and then I couldn't hear it breathing, but you could see its shoulder yeah. like yeah. going up and down. And I'm thinking, right, okay, and then and then it just did this, the the, the, the grunted, the, the, I don't know. Oof. Yeah, I didn't warning. like. Yeah, it was it was certainly a warning to uh, you know I'm hungry. Move. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, did you feel like that? Did you feel like you were looking at a predator or uh, an animal that was just very powerful and strong? And, and that's, uh, you know, in retrospect, I'm sure you probably didn't feel that at the time. But looking back at the feelings you had at the time, was that running because you saw something unusual or because you saw something that had the potential to harm you? Well, I was looking at I was trying to see a person when I was looking uh, at it, trying to see through it as a person. And I couldn't. But it was more person-like than ape in how it... I mean, it was stood like an ape, you know, slumped over, but it was it was built... It was built like... Well, it was like pumping iron on a Schwarzenegger, how yeah. it was built. It was yeah. enormous, but it wasn't, it wasn't tall. It was stumpy legs. Uh, I mean, incredibly hairy, but you could see through the hair onto its body. You could see the body... Yeah. The, the chest, the uh, you know, all everything, and this, all this dark tanned coloured skin underneath. See the dark. I mean, I could, I couldn't see. I could only see one leg, oh. one leg, because obviously the shrubland and, and everything. But you, I could see the I could see from uh, from the stomach upwards. Yeah, I could see pretty much the whole torso upwards. Fascinating. And, and the first leg, but it was it was just. Oh, I, and I start like arguing myself. <laughs> start arguing myself. Thinking, you get a grip. <laughs> <laughs> get a grip. It's just a dream. Wake up, Mark. Wake up. Yeah, and I got one of my friends because we told one of my friends, and he went, "It was a cow." I went, "A cow? A cow? A cow stands on two legs, does it? A cow stands on two legs." But you know what's funny about that? Actually, that um, another researcher I know he calls things like that the my theory sucks the least theory so somebody a skeptic puts something forward that's not very plausible but yeah. it's accepted by people because it's preferable to thinking there is a bigfoot or uh, you know a lake monster or whatever else or aliens or something and they say well maybe you saw you know maybe you saw well, with aliens maybe you saw a skinned monkey escape from a lab you know uh, yeah. with a silver suit and a laser love that one. <laughs> escape from a lab you're thinking this is Tarleton Woods yeah. And where are the five foot monkeys that stand upright anywhere in the world, in any lab? Um, it's interesting to me because, and obviously, meeting you now, we've spoken a few times online. Yeah. You know, you're obviously a very regular, down to earth guy, you're open minded, but yeah. you, you're not fanciful. You don't have a fanciful character. I believe uh -huh. what you say, and I think, I think it's a very valid and close sighting. Not many people have had one that close. There's no question in your mind as to what else it could have been. You might not know what it is exactly. Exactly, yeah. But it seems clear to me that you know it's not a person or a cow. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's what I said. I was, I was, I was 20, 20, 15 foot away from it. I mean, that's not a long distance. Oh, okay. quite, it's quite short to know yeah. if it was a person. But I'm looking yeah. at it thinking, and, and it's, everything's going from my mind thinking, it's going to run in a minute. It's, it's going to run. It's going to... Sprint straight at me, and again, right, uh, 
beat it because you're a bit in front of it. <laughs> I kind of looked at my friend thinking, which way he's facing, he's going to run that way, which is oh, wow. good. He's more likely to get in that way than I'm going <laughs> But that, see, that's another signifier of a real experience. You had a survival assessment, a survival instinct assessment of your surroundings. My yeah. friend will go that way, I'll go that way. I, I'd probably be okay. <laughs> I, it's funny because I remember saying to him, I went, which I, that's what I asked him. I mean, I can't really remember. Which way are you running? Which uh, way are you running? Are you running first or should I? And I looked at, I just looked up at, I just looked at him and went, <sighs> and I just darted. And I remember seeing it from a peripheral. I remember seeing yeah. it again still there. And I'm thinking, and when I'm running, I'm thinking it's, it's, it's coming after me. And that's all yeah. I'm thinking. And so your adrenaline pumping. And I'm seeing branches flying past me. I'm thinking, I'm not going to make it. I can hear a friend of mine behind going, don't leave me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. But the thing is, I remember Deborah's, Deborah's account, which she said, you know, she threw her yeah. friend to the floor. And she what, I mean, pushed her to the ground and ran off. <laughs> so it would get her. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's horrible, but it is yeah. it's down to the survival, isn't it? You think, ah. Yeah. You know, something as terrifying as that, you don't want to be its next uh, male or uh, victim. This is the way I think about it. If you're walking in the forest now and you see a bear, you see a big brown bear in the forest, you'd be terrified, right? Even if you saw a small black bear in the forest, you'd be scared. So, you know, you're in the forest, you see a bear, you'd be be scared, you'd run. If you see something like you did, you do not recognize. You have no idea what it's capable of, what its intentions are. What it might want to do, and this, as I was saying to the other researcher the other day, when you finally look for something and you find it, then you you totally understand and comprehend what it means to be in that situation of what happens next. Yeah. Um, because it's a creature, an individual, and you are, and you both have to make a decision about what goes next. Um, and maybe you know some bears will just pass you by, and other bears will run after you and squish you. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't know how it's going to go ever. It's a it's a fifty fifty situation. So, you know that terror. You know, uh, hands off to you. That's a difficult thing to deal with, especially as a, a teenager. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. as a teenager. I mean, um, I mean all that's going through your that all your mind at that age is you know is you're off school, so enjoy it. You're not know, not thinking going <laughs> to be uh, making a an assault course and then oh yeah, Bigfoot's going to come along. I mean, well, yeah. why? <laughs> oh. I've said to yeah. others. Friends said, you know, if I was if I was to say something that wasn't that wasn't in line with that or untruthful, I'd have thought of something a lot better than a Bigfoot. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, there's many things you can and also uh, in the nineties there, what was what was really on TV to push you into thinking you saw a Bigfoot? Nothing really. That whole Patterson Gimler thing from the seventies that's passed by, the insurgent of documentaries are gone. Nobody's really covering things. There's a few monster quest. You know, uh, things about. You know, you think, oh, I never knew it was, I mean, until I saw what I saw, I thought, no, I am Britain. You know, I'd have laughed if someone said, oh, Bigfoot in Britain. I'd have, I'd have yeah. Well, many I'm, people are still laughing in the community, cryptozoology community too, actually. And it's 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 hard for people who in this community to believe, never yeah. mind people outside. So I think, you know, I, it's it's a big thing for you to come out and talk about it, really. Oh, yeah. I think that's a, yeah, it's a big. Um, it, it takes a bit of courage to do that. And it's, um, that's the thing, is it? 
it's all the questions that I've still got that I'm trying to answer, I get answered in the documentary I'm making. I'd like, I'd like some in, you know, some other person, you know, I mean, like, like yourself, you know, your, um, your thoughts on it. And I find it all interesting. Everybody's thoughts is, is you know, I couldn't get enough of them, you know, because everything is possible this day and age. Everything, it seems is possible. So. It uh, does. It does. It's been in the right place at the right time, but then again, that to me really wasn't the right place. I, you know, <laughs> I, I would have done. I'd have, you know, another floor. I'd have lived a normal life then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, hopefully. You, you, but lucky you, you know, you had this experience and it opened up your your mind to other things, and yeah. and here you are being open to ask the questions. I'm really, really interested in how the documentary is going to turn out. I'd love to see it, and and when you um when you're finished, I'd love to put it on this page. I, just before we finish up, I'm just wondering, is there somewhere that people can find you? Where can they go? Are you doing a Kickstarter of the documentary or a GoFundMe? Oh. How can people support you? Yeah, at the moment I'm uh, individual at the moment myself, uh, but I've got I've got um, Chris said he's a shout away if, if I need any help, or Deborah said she'd uh, she'd assist in any way I need. Uh, Paul Sinclair, he's, he's another chap who said that he'll uh, he'll do what he can. Uh, so I, there are some, you know, you know, and you, yourself if if you feel yeah. if you see it. But it's at the moment I was talking to I was talking to Chris today actually at, uh, at work, and I was saying, you know, I've not started my uh, video vlogs yet of you know where I'm yeah. getting. He said, I, he just keeps saying, I wouldn't bother, Mark. I wouldn't bother. Your best bet is make the documentary in your own speed, yeah, and just re- self-release it, whichever you can, um, you know, and get some followers. If you can get some followers on whichever yeah. social network, you know, Twitter, YouTube, whichever, you know, or Facebook, even, um, you know, it, it's a good start. Um, but Deborah said, you know, that there's there are people out there that'll help you. Um, Definitely. I think uh, Bigfoot Tony was one of them, but I, I've, he seems to have gone off the radar a bit. I don't know where he is. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know Jason personally. I've spoken to him once or twice, just in a few messages. I, I mean, I really love his videos, his breakdowns. They're really amazing to have somebody with his skills, photographic yeah. skills, to, to look at those bits of evidence too. He's like the British thinker-thunker, right? Yeah, yeah. That's how, when I, I've got my two, some of my subscriptions, I've got thinker-thunker, I've got BT, Big for Tony then. Every time something new comes out, I'm thinking, okay, what are these guys going to make of it? And yeah. maybe that will give shed some light on what I think. Um, now, I, I think it would be fantastic just get it out there. Personally, what helped me was actually releasing um, little blogs and vlogs all the way along. In fact, with my book, I think I'd released maybe 15 blogs before it came out, and I did maybe 50, 60 interviews yeah. talking about writing it all the way. So by the time it came out, people knew for a long time. Yeah. But when it was delayed for about three months, uh, it's probably what Chris is talking about, there was a bit of a lag then where people were saying, okay, he's talking about this all the time, so where is it happening? Now with the TV series that I've been pitching for the last year and, um, and haven't sold yet, it's like, okay, so I thought you were doing a TV series. And, you know, really, I want to pitch it. I want to get it on a network. Yeah. And I am. I do have some meetings coming up and things, but meetings are just meetings. They don't mean anything. So <laughs> they mean that somebody's agreed to see you. And, and there is a danger in publicizing something too much that people start expecting something that doesn't come or mm. come in time yeah. to, to, you know, for them yeah. to benefit from what you're saying. That. 
that's exactly when people are saying, oh, when's it going to be out? I'm thinking, I'm hoping summer. I was hoping summer. That was yeah. late last year. Uh, and then uh, I thought, I've got too much to film. And then I kept getting different cameras. Uh-huh. That was my problem. I kept buying different cameras. So the uh, the pixel quality got better and better. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the, the stuff that I've recorded, I'm thinking, it's, it's like a handy cam. <laughs> You've got to go back and start again. And then I'm like, uh, it's too much. It, uh, I thought, oh, back back to the new, back to the Forest of Dean. I guess no, yeah. no. <laughs> Forest of Dean. Ah. <laughs> oh, to Colford. It's only down the road. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> Seven hours Listen, down the road. <laughs> yeah, you know, we all work. We all have families and bits and pieces going on, and we have to do things. I've got two young children as well, and you know, London life and you know, 40, 50 hour, hour daily commute and doing all of this, it's sooner or later it starts to, to tell on you. But it, it's also good because it's exciting. I don't know your age, I'm, I'm 42, so I started writing this thing when I was 40. Um, yeah. The book originally, because my wife said I got 40 fever. So I got hit 40, so I've got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> got 40 fever, damn it, I've got to do something. And I'd been a musician for years and years and years before that and kind of petered out in my late 30s where I wasn't serious or touring anymore because I just got too old and fed up yeah. a bit. And, um, and that was from age 12. You know, we gigged from age 12 on which used to biker gigs with friends and uh, family and went all the way through and got close. We never quite got there. And uh, which is most, uh, that's the story of most musicians, actually. Uh-huh. And um, working in London, hit 40. And I said, do you know what? I'm going to do something. And she said, what about this um what about this monsters thing that you like? Why don't you do something with that monster thing you're always talking about? <laughs> and so I just okay, I'll have a look at it and uh, start putting it together. And it's been, you it know, it's been fun. It becomes an addiction, doesn't it? Yes. I, yeah. I mean, because I've said this to Chris when every, everything I'm doing, everything that I seem to be doing is is for this document. Yeah, I've been there, and I've gone through all my. <laughs> I've gone through. I've filled my computer. I can't. I've no more hard drive left. It's just. It's, it, Everywhere. The thing is, I keep everything. I don't throw. I'm like, I knew I should throw. No, I might need it for another thing that I do later on. It's fine. It, it, <laughs> and I've got my hard drive going. Please empty me. <laughs> Listen, I've got the backup hard drive. I've got an email phone. I've got a drawer full of USB sticks. I've got papers, reams and reams of paper, and all the study stuff that I've hidden everywhere. And I think one day, you know, I want that information. I want to have cataloged it. We don't do that so much more than the things are on computer. A massive file full of all the expeditions and stuff. And I just think it might come in handy or, you know, it could just uh, collect I'm, dust in there for the next 30 yeah. years. I might need it for another time. What if, uh, yeah, and, you're, you're, and then you're actually plotting a scene where you can put it in. If you haven't filmed it yet, you're like, put it in there. But yeah, I'll film that another time, but I'll leave that on hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> But but I've, I have cleared off a lot of stuff. I've got a bit more memory now, but it's not enough uh, yeah. at all. I mean, there's too there's too much, and I I won't get rid of it. I need I need a bigger computer. I need like a two terabyte or something. Yeah, but you know, slowly but surely. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to make like a, a cost assessment, a little um, presentation to the wife? And why are you going to get this new computer? <laughs> That's what I do. I get to get like the, the presentation, the graphs and the charts and stuff. Why yeah. I need this piece of equipment? Yeah. And then, well, fair enough. You know, when you're a family man, you've got to 
justify the cost. Like my eldest, my eldest Lavi saying, "Oh yeah, just 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 make one, build one." I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I could, I could do, but it'll work out more expensive if I build one. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> I've got to buy the motherboard. I've got yeah. to. <laughs> There's a reason it's cheaper to buy one because they can make them on mass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm always on eBay or Amazon looking yeah. for something just a better quality. What and that's the thing. I keep doing it, and I'm I'm getting stuff that's too it, you know pixel wise. It's too much. It's better than the one before. So I'm like, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And Chris is the same. He, he does. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You get, yeah, get the Canon 600D. It's fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now I'm after the uh, <laughs> the EOS 80D. Um, wow. <laughs> Wow. I mean, you guys are so high tech. I take like a GoPro out, make man cam. I've got my phone. And yeah. uh, I use my laptop and I'm just extremely low tech. And I'm not a filmmaker. So any stuff I, I write, I put yeah. the scripts together, anything I put together. I'm like, if you need to build a house, get an architect, yeah. you know, and to, yeah. to design it and get a, a builder to build it. I'm not, neither of those things. I just grab the people that can do it. <laughs> that's the way forward, you know. Everybody yeah. gets their part. Yeah, it's the best. I mean, that's what I'm still doing. I'm still doing with that my documentary. I'm still writing it. It's uh, you see what I'm trying to do. That's different. I've said to to Chris as well. And I want to see. I like what you've done with Elusive. I, I think it's wonderful what you've done. Um, but with, with mine, from the late monsters to UFOs and everything in between, I want them all to relate. The links. Yeah, difficult. In a yeah. nice sort of easy flow to watch, really. So it's not mumble jumble where oh yeah this and then next minute it's a pig man or you know thinking, you know yeah. I've got to be in continuity with with everything else. I thought it's more of an organic approach to do the documentary instead of it just being you know witness statements because yeah. people want more than just witness statements. They want yeah, it's got to be watchable. I mean, um, yeah. I did put a lot of sightings in the book, but. Generally speaking, I had chapters with a bit of theory and a couple of sightings, and all of the, the A to Z of sightings was at the back in a kind of like a glossary. Yeah. So you can look at just that if you want to, but nobody's going to read or watch something that's just witness after witness. Yeah, you just need three or four good recreations of the scenes and yeah, things, don't that's, you? Um, that's, that's that's what I've said. Yeah. That I like to do reenactments on my. Yeah. You know, yeah. they've got the story, and then but I'll just when they're saying it, we can have the reenactment as well. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a very good one that I want to do. I'm dying to do it, but it's going to cost me a lot of money. I need a uh, Viking longship. Uh, 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 and I, I can't hire one of them for, for less than a grand. Can <laughs> <laughs> um, you hire one for, for over a grand? Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, well, that's have, a big... I've looked. I've looked. Yeah. Have you? One, the cheapest one is £300 per hour. Uh, and I've said, I've said, I've with said, the crew, with the crew. All, all I need, all I need is for, I, you know, I yeah. could shoot it in, it'd take me 20 minutes to shoot it. I only want to see that and then that's it. I won't need it for an hour. Take it back after 20 minutes. How much for 20 minutes? <laughs> but can you book a ride on the Viking longship and then just kind of a couple of shots on there? I have thought of it, but there's this, this stuff. So I've storyboarded a few little bits. I thought, uh -huh. I Love to see it. It's about the New World, you know, when the Vikings went to America. Yeah, uh, I think it's Leif, uh, Leif Erikson. Oh, uh, Leif Erikson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I thought that his story would be great to have a reenactment of. I mean, it, it would. It'd be you know quite moody and 
Oh, it is. I'm thinking, yeah, it's just, you know, it's America. Uh, is he the guy that named Greenland Greenland so that people would move there? I think it was. I think yeah. it was. A very important, important person, wasn't he? About yeah. Um, I think he wanted to get people to colonize this area. And um, they were having fights with the Inuits and everything there at the time. But then there's only tiny proportions of this coastal bit of this land that you can actually live on. Because uh, of the really harsh climate, so I think he called it Greenland. I don't know. I, this is something I remember hearing. I don't know as a fact to get people to go there. Yeah, it's, there were no uh, brochures. They didn't know, did they? They just got there and thought, "Oh bloody hell, it's a bit icy." Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it'd be it'd be a nice sort of it'd be a nice reenactment to do, um, and a few others as well. I mean, it's just the expense of it. And I've said to Chris when it's expense and he's saying he's like he's just like giggling chris while i'm saying it because he's uh, yeah welcome to documenting yeah <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's really hardcore when he helped me out with my little teaser trailer um we did that over two days me him and darren in uh lake windermere oh yeah we've got an airbnb darren got a tent somewhere and um he filmed all of that, and plus a little sort of adult clips that we borrowed just to demonstrate the point of what it's supposed to be. Yeah, uh, did all of that in two days. I did a few voiceovers at home with a, a little mic, sent them to him, and within a week he had that whole thing up. And he had had maybe four or five hours of footage from those two days, you know. And I wasn't a natural because I wanted to do it, but I never presented in any way before. Oh, yeah. So um, I think there were I. I think it was like an average of 10 takes per scene he had to do with me. Um, and then I don't talk very loudly either. So there was this thing like, Andy, you need to be louder. You need to get louder. And I'm like, but I'm shouting. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You're talking yeah, he, he said, he said, quietly like you. He, he said about present. He said, um, but how are you going to present it? I went, I'm thinking, well, I'd like to do it. Because I know the direction it wants to go in. More uh, so I know, I know. The thing is, I've said to him, when I hate my own voice. That's the thing. So voiceover, you know, if, if I can change that, if I can change that on the EQ, that'd be great. You know, I've changed my voice. <laughs> but yeah. I know what to, I know how to detail it or guide it in the right direction. But, you know, it's, it also a save on hiring someone to do the voiceover and, and everything else. I wouldn't, oh God. But I, I think mean, also that everybody hates their own voice. I I hate the way my voice sounds when I when I hear it objectively. It sounds like um, uh, it to me it always sounds like some saffer that's come to the UK and he's pretending to be British, and nobody believes him. You know, <laughs> and yet I am British and nobody ever believes me. It's a strange voice. And to the Americans, when I talk to those guys, and they're very lovely with that, I sound really British to them. Mm. But to anybody British, and you probably hear this yourself, you're thinking, "What is that from? What's that accent?" Yeah, Ooh, I'm like, I, don't, I don't have, I don't have an accent. You did, and I've got, I've had that said before. Like, you did yeah. have an accent. Yeah. I don't. You said you are. You've got a northern accent. Have I? You do. Have I? <laughs> <laughs> but it's again. It's like when you listen to Paul Sinclair. It's it's a very yeah. yeah it's it's like well, you can tell you're from Yorkshire. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But people like those those accents a lot. I find that they really like uh, uh, northern accents, Yorkshire, um, yeah. those kinds of places, even Lancashire. The, the, those types of accents, maybe yeah. like a you know a Highland Scottish or an Aberdeen type of Scot. Yeah. 
Wales, we get that. I grew up in Wales, actually. So we've got um, Irish on dad's side, English on mum's side. I grew up in Wales. And that's always my excuse for the screwed up accent. But I know it's not really the reason. It just, um, it just, I always sounded like this. And in my area, they were very, it's Cardiff, so they were very um, strong Cardiff accents. Yeah. I can do it. But uh, I remember walking past these, these guys one time. It was a very rough area uh, in like, urban Cardiff. And I was walking past this group of boys. I had my bike. And uh, a few of them started harassing me. And yeah. then I saw one that I knew. And they always used to say safe, like safe, like uh, how are you doing? So yeah. they say, oh, uh, oh uh, safe and I was going. And I said, safe, boys, how are you? And I hear one of them say, uh, oh, who's that? Who's that guy? And the other one says, oh, don't worry about that. That's Andrew. He talks funny, but he's one of us. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I talk funny. Look and listen to you. <laughs> I talk funny. Oh, don't worry about that. He talks funny, but he's one of us. He's safe. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, and that, that, that's the environment. And um, I don't know why... I ended up saying this way. I know my grandmother was really, really strict about pronunciation. She was like a obsessed with the queen. She had corgis and everything. Mm -hmm. So she'd be correcting our grammar as we were speaking a sentence. <laughs> you know. That sounds like <laughs> my mom. Yeah, exactly. That she'd be correcting that uh, you know, it's in that Monty Python uh, Life of Brian. Conjugate the verb to go. Yeah. <laughs> Romanus, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's just, it's just terrible. Sure, because he's just trying to educate us, you know, because you're in a rough neighborhood. But to the locals, we sounded like we didn't belong there at all. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably finish up soon. But I just, um, so if anybody wants to find you, where should they go? Find you on Facebook and uh, Mark yeah, Farnell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look for Mark Farnell on Facebook. Uh, you'll find me if they, if they go into the, um, into the same websites, I think Deborah Hatswell's on. You'll find me. I'm on that one. Okay, uh, on the British Bigfoot Research of, Group. I think I'm on three of the Bigfoot ones. I think. Uh, I think so. Anyway, is that, is that Bigfoot Research UK with the Bigfoot um, with Research Bill? UK. Oh, yeah. I think there's National Cryptids. Is the one called National Cryptids or Bigfoot? Society. Jesse no, James did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on that one. Uh, okay. I'm also I'm also on the Dogman. UK one as well. Oh, great. Fantastic. Uh, uh, I think there may be another one, but I can't, I can't think now. Yeah. I, I just, I can't. I can't. Say again, sorry. Would you mainly be found on, on British Bigfoot, Bigfoot Research on yeah. Deborah's side? Okay. Yeah. You're one of the admins there, aren't you? Or? Say again, sorry. You're one of the admins on that side? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on it. I don't, um, I don't, I don't really, because I've not been on it for a while, so I've, I'm, I say I've not been on it for a while, I was on it before, but I'll just see if I've got a message, you know, yeah. <laughs> and just have a quick read, see if anything new's been put on. Yeah, no, absolutely. But other than that, I don't really, but yeah, I'm, I'm usually on it, I'm usually on it by every day, some way or other. <laughs> but yeah, okay. it is. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to sign off, let you back to your kids, and I will um, I'll, I'll get a few Zs in before the morning. Now, um, second guest, I think having an actual witness on the show has been fantastic. And you know, I'd just like to, to recommend your documentary to everybody. You're a credible person and witness. I think it's going to look really good when it's done. Thank you. Thank you.
Cheers, buddy. Take care. And you. Bye-bye now.